All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. We're happy that you're here. We're happy that you're ready to start learning. Before we dive into this episode, you know, we got to talk about a few companies that help make this possible and some of the companies that we back personally because we believe in them. Now, first up is HuntWise. There's a lot of mapping software and apps out there, and the best one that we think is is definitely HuntWise. I mean, they've got so many cool features that some of the other ones don't have, especially this HuntCast that we use every single time before we go out in the woods. Our, I mean, our time is precious. we got to know when's the best time to go out. And instead of searching around on all the, the weather sites and checking out all the details, you can go right to the HuntWise app, put it in your location, and you're getting local wind, local predictions based on where your stands actually are, and it helps you actually choose the best stand so you're not wasting any time and you can get right in there and hunt that buck you're after. Go visit HuntWise.com. So James and I have shot different bows from different manufacturers, and we all, every time we shoot them, we always go back to primes the reason is they're just so shootable and we're just so accurate with them they're super stable and they just came out with the new revix 2 4 and 6 is their brand new bow for 2023 hunting season g5prime.com so next up we got vector arrows this is a company that has just blown me away with their ability to help the customer out. Basically, you don't have to go through and, and find your shaft weight and spine strength charts anymore. You don't gotta deal with any of that. Basically, you go to the website, you put in your draw weight, your draw length, your tip weight, and they basically build the perfect arrow for you. No guessing, no questions. And then you can customize them. They got a bunch of different options. You can shoot the HMR or the ZMR. These things are sweet and they seriously are some of the best arrows in the industry. And they've got a zero failure guarantee. So if you break it or bend it, they're gonna replace it. So if you wanna save yourself 10% on that, head over to Vector Custom Shop and use the code TFC10. There's been a lot of hype around tree saddles. Some of you might be hesitant to even try one. These things are awesome. If you ever wanted to try one, Trophy Line Tree Saddles make the best saddles in the industry. They're super comfortable, they're adjustable, and the new Venatic saddle, we were able to get our hands on it a couple months ago and it just seriously blew us away. So if you want to get into the saddle game, go over to trophyline.com. You can save yourself 10%, use the code TFC10, get into the saddle game, it's gonna change the way you hunt. James and I like to go tromp around on public land and one way we're able to do that is to have good footwear. Uh, we used to lug around in, in rubber boots and by the end of the day we'd have sore feet and it'd be it'd be a mess. But we finally decided to get some good boots and partnered with Lathrop and Sons. These boots are so nice. They fit your foot perfectly. They've got Synergy foot pads that are made to you know form around your foot. These guys take the time. There's years and years of research and design and how to create the most comfortable boot. Go check out Lathrop and Sons. Last but not least, Vortex Optics. These guys have some of the best glass in the industry. Binoculars, rangefinders, spotter scopes. We love them. We've got it on our rifles. We use their rangefinder all the time. They also make clothing lines every quarter. James and I are practically wearing a piece of Vortex apparel every day. Everything is high quality. They come out with new items usually every quarter. So spring, summer, winter, fall, they've got new lines and new clothing coming out. Check this stuff out. And if you want to save yourself 20%, head over to Vortex.com, head to the apparel page, and save 20% with TFC20. All right. Welcome to another episode of the uh, Fair Chase podcast. Uh, as you all know, we're in the middle of a kind of a summer prep series. And so we're talking things like uh, how to get yourself, your gear, um, 
your everything ready, uh, your knowledge, you know, through scouting and things like that, ready for ready for hunting season. And so, you know, we've talked about getting your body right, exercising, and, and how important that is. And we're going to be talking a little bit more now about gear. And so, one of the first things I wanted to do was talk about um, layering, um, because you know, I, I hunt in Michigan. I'm hunting in everything from 80 degrees on one end of the spectrum to end of the year can be, you know, well below zero. So what we thought we would do today is bring um, somebody that is very well versed in uh, this sort of thing, Chris Derrick from Sitka Gear. Chris, uh, thanks for joining me on the show tonight. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, uh, this is a, a great subject and and it actually helps people to get a lot more out of the gear and have a better time in the field. There's there's nothing worse than going out with uh, a mistake in your system and and then having to sit through a miserable stationary hunt in cold conditions so that that describes about you know i've been we just were talking about this on another podcast but i've been hunting since i was 12 and 30 so 22 years i would say probably at least 15 of those years i hunted in the cold and i was just miserable i didn't have i didn't know anything about layering and so my thought about layering was uh well this was right when kind of um uh, Under Armour came out when I was like in high school. So what, like at the peak of me, uh, you know, trying to layer would be like my Under Armour from soccer, you know, I throw a bunch of sweatpants over it, you know, and stuff. And then, you know, maybe try to put like a coat on top. And so you're walking out and you can't really carry it, you walk around in it. And of course you're like soaking wet, no matter how cold it is, you sit there and I would sit there and it'd be like, just about light and you know how it gets light and then the temperature drops a little bit more right right after mm-hmm. light and i remember every you know every time i'd sit out thinking like this is miserable how how do i have so many layers on and i'm just it doesn't matter i'm freezing cold well fast forward now um i've slowly learned more about layers um and it's meant i've been able to spend more time outside uh, and appreciate it so um just to start there, you know, I, I, I give that story to show that it is important. But when I say like layering system, um, what what comes to mind? What do you think of when you think of like a clothing layering system? Uh, I, I look at it, you're, you're, it's really three steps or three stages, uh, you know, is setting your foundation. That's what you're going to wear next to your skin. Uh, then what you're going to put on for uh, insulation, which could be your outerwear layer. It could also be a mid-layer depending on where you are in your in seasonal relevance. And then, then uh, you know, your protective or your outer outerwear labor, you know, people consider those maybe a soft shell or a, a hard shell, um, you know, hard shell being something that typically is defined as more rain wear, um, right. or if you're just going to have um, wind stop. And it really depends on where you're going to be hunting most of the time or what those conditions are. But that allows you to flex throughout the season. And that's the key is to try and figure out what am I going to use from early season? How am I going to progress into my mid-season hunts? Uh, throughout the season, the conditions are going to change. And then just like you talked about, even within a single hunt, uh, the temperatures uh, going to fluctuate up or down, wind conditions are going to change. So you have you have a lot that can change even in a given hunt that uh, you need to adapt to those situations. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And like on top of it, and you know, I was telling you uh, prior to this uh, podcast, it's it's having these layers is also important because like we're walking, a lot of the people that listen to this say they're a saddle hunter on public land. That can mean you're walking far in or you're walking through 
a swamp or you're doing something miserable that isn't just like that easy walk down the trail. You climb up, you know, your old tree stand and you're good to go. And so part of this, these questions, it's like, well, it's, it's nice to have a system down because when you want to get back in there, you don't want to have to carry everything that you might need or you could need. It's nice to have kind of a pared down system. Yeah, absolutely. And, and going in in light is really key. Um, that, that's one of the things that um, I think white whitetail hunters is really specific to uh, our pursuit is that uh, you're going to have a short period of exertion that you're going to and from. I call it the commute to a yeah. moon stand. That could be a couple hundred yards. That could be several miles. Uh, and then to, to make sure that you're set up appropriate for that commute. And then when you get to your stand, usually whitetail hunting is going to be stationary. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're either going to s- climb up to an existing stand or you're going to sit in a blind or you're going to set a, a mobile stand, which, you know, these days is since the saddle game has gotten so <laughs> good, uh, you know, you can you can pack in something in, you know, 10, 12 pound range to get all the way up in the tree. And that's, you know, I mean, just just even the full size lock on stands, the smallest size were 20 pounds you know, oh, yeah. that long ago. And plus you're carrying sticks. So that that's a big, big difference uh, uh, in being able to be mobile. The the pinnacle of mobile when I was younger was that uh, the climber. Like if you had a climber tree stand, I remember I like I saved up and like looking back, it was huge. You know, it was this huge, loud climber that I could only climb in half the trees. But I was like, man, I'm doing stuff no one else is doing. I'm getting places that no one else, you know. Uh, it's yeah. funny to it's fun to see how that's changed. You know, that's obviously like uh, tree stand stuff, but you know, like we're talking about here, the same thing kind of applies to clothes. It's just getting it's better and better. The technology is so different, um, but that brings kind of a question to my mind um, and something we we're often asked, um, and it's around base layers. So you, you mentioned this foundation layer. Um, you know, primary job is to get that moisture off your skin, uh, regulate your temperature. But there are kind of two lanes that people take when it comes to to base layers. You have like the 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 merino wool guys, um, and you have the synthetic, like the um, the poly or, or whatever uh, type of fabric. And so, you know, are you able? Can we put that debate to rest right now? Is this one that you can definitively say one's better or not? Or where do you, where do you stand on that? No, uh, I can't put it to rest because it really depends. On the situation, it depends on the person. Um, I, I would say there's there's areas where uh, you know synthetic shine. Uh, there's certain applications uh, that you know you you would want to use a synthetic. Uh, uh, there's you know merino has some great um, properties, and and these days uh, merino is getting so good uh, that um, you know you can you can uh, get some of the longevity that you would expect to have out of synthetics out of that. Plus, you get a lot of anti-odor properties. So I, I wouldn't say I would say you, when it comes, you can choose which is right for for you uh, between synthetic and merino. Um, I personally, for whitetail hunts, I'm a big, big fan of merino. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, however, if you're you know uh, going to be um, in a mobile application like you were talking about, uh, you know, setting your foundation with an ultra lightweight synthetic. Um, that's one of the, I think, the misconceptions people have think, oh, it is, you know, in the teens or it's, you know, a, right. a very low temperature day. 
I don't need my, you know, I, I shouldn't wear something lightweight against your skin. And that's exactly the thing you wouldn't want to do. Uh, synthetic, like a, setting your foundation, I, it's almost like you're building the house, that lightweight layer that you're peering ne next to your body or that, that base layer is really setting the foundation for anything you're building on top of that. If you set that with a cotton t-shirt or something that's not going to move moisture, I don't care if you put a $400 jacket on your back, right. you're going to be cold uh, until you can get that moisture out um, from. So that would be one thing is like just setting your foundation is so, so critical uh, regardless of the hunt and getting that, um, getting that base layer set up uh, appropriately. So are you, um, would you then, would you do like a really light base layer and then like a wool on top of that? Would that you be- can. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great thing. Some people do that. Um, I will say, so um, with a synthetic, like I might take our core lightweight hoodie, right? Mm -hmm. And I might throw that over uh, from a synthetic standpoint. And then I can use that for my face coverage if I want. And I, right. I can hear really well because I don't like to wear things over my ears typically. However, I will say that um we had talked about the the fact that we have a new merino program so we've completely yeah. reset our merino program for um the uh, fall of 2023 uh and it's going to be coming out in a lightweight which is 120 grams a midweight which is 220 grams and then a 330 weight now what i will say what you were talking about with the 330 weight is it actually has a lightweight synthetic knit, knit into the garment so what oh, yeah. you do is you essentially wear the 330 weight against your skin. That synthetic is going to hate the, the moisture. It's going to want to push it through. The merino loves it. And so a lot of times what you'll, uh, the reason I would say, yeah, if you're wearing just a regular heavyweight merino, definitely put a synthetic against your yeah, skin. Yeah, because you get However, kind of clammy. Yeah. yeah. So this is, so what you're saying is having that, that synthetic basically is pulling the moisture away. And the merino is more prone to hold it, but it can stay warm with it on. So it then dries it and keeps you warm as it's pulling. It. Is that kind of how that yeah, works? Yeah, essentially that, like if you've ever worn, I've worn some heavyweight merinos like right next to my skin. And yeah. if you kind of get that clammy feeling, your armpits kind of feel like, you know, like they're holding moisture. Uh, if your back, you know, sweats or if you get work of a sweat getting to or from the stand, um, those situations I've found with this new three, like the, I'll wear our 330 weight and um, like a hoodie format or the zip tee format. Um, that way I can vent it in the front, um, but it, you're not going to have that clammy feeling. So it's essentially like wearing the core lightweight synthetic against your skin. And yeah. it's like wearing a 330 gram Merino as your mid layer, but just kind of puts the two together, uh, which is, which is a great form. And that that I wear through my mid through late season hunts yeah. for all whitetail applications. That's my favorite. And then uh, a lot of people think like for warm weather, you wouldn't want to wear wool, but Merino, like in the 120 weight is a great warm weather uh, piece. Um, it actually works to keep you cool in the summer and regulates and then uh, can also help with some cooler weather hunts as well. So picking those types of, of weights, um, you know, you can really fine tune what you want for your system. I like, I love the, like the 300 weight wool, like th that I use it as like a, sometimes I'll, I'll wear it. Like you said, like mid to the end of the season, 
but a lot of times it's just like my outer piece and maybe I'll throw like a vest over the top of it. And that, that can get you into like pretty cold temperatures and you're, you're pretty comfortable. Yeah. I think, I mean, anytime it starts to get like, I would say, you, you know, in the mid fifties, that, that can be your outerwear piece in the evening. Yeah. And then uh, you, you can add insulation, then you can add an outerwear piece and, and you can really flex uh, along with those conditions. So from, from my standpoint, I will say Merino is my favorite from a whitetail standpoint. Yeah. Or even sometimes a multi-day hunt where I'm backcountry hunting uh, here in Montana, um, just from the, the stink standpoint and the anti-odor properties. Yeah. Uh, Merino yeah. does excel there. Um, so yeah, those, well, that, that's where I would lean that way towards Merino for those applications. One, yeah, and it's quiet and it's, you know, it's not so reflective. It's, it's great. Uh, but there is one, and I, this is another thing that I learned later on, late, a lot later on in life was this wind stopper layer. Uh, so forever I would have stuff that were, I mean, this is, a, I'm wearing a wool sweatshirt right now. It's nice. But once you get any, any wind, it like saps your heat, like it's instant. Um, and no, no matter how many layers you're put on, putting on, if that wind gets, gets in, um, it's huge. Like, so, when you kind of think about wind stopping, you know, how do you approach that? Like, what does wind stopping look like and how do you put it into a system? Yeah. So, uh, you know, after you've set your foundation, let's say that the wind's going to pick up, but it's not super cool. Um, you can take a light wind stopper at layer. And what that's really stopping is it's called convective heat loss. So when you, when you look at convective heat loss, you're basically looking like air transferring over basically creating uh, the, that layer to be able to remove that off of your body and that prevents it. So the amount, any, uh, any essentially winds not contacting and you're not losing um, any, uh, any of your warmth through that convective uh, layer. So you can, you can do that. You can run it as a mid layer. You can run it as an outer layer. Uh, but the wind stopper is essentially just stopping wind from taking heat away from your body. It's basically yeah. taking it out of the insulation. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and that's once I, you know, I had some even some fairly nice stuff in the past that I was always surprised with. Like once the wind hit, I would get cold. It's like, man, this is expensive, nice clothes. This should not be letting that happen, and it, it and it would. And um, and so it took me a while to kind of figure out the wind stopping thing. But once I did, it's like you can you can get away with a lot less clothes. Uh, and that's kind of the goal, like have less on and still be comfortable so you can move and you're lightweight and everything else. So um, huge thing. Um, so the other the other part you mentioned, so we're kind of moving our way out. So, you know, for people listening as they start thinking through the system, you know, you've got your foundation. And so you'll think through what is it Merino that makes most sense uh, for you? Or is it, you know, some kind of combination with synthetic or synthetic alone? Um you know, we, we mentioned a little bit about wind stopper here, uh, but the next layer is that insulation layer. Um, so how should that like explain its kind of function and purpose in a system and kind of how you use it in uh, when it comes to like deer hunting specifically? Uh, yeah, I, I consider your mid-layer insulation. So in our in our line or in the whitetail line, it's the ambient, um, which which is essentially an active uh, insulation. Uh, but then you can it it bridges the gap between that and like a, a static insulation. So let's say you've set your foundation, the temperatures are getting cool. You can add your insulation on there. You know, if it's not a really windy day, but it's a cooler day, 
Um, Which and an insulation, what you mean is like a traditionally like a puffy, right? Is that uh, what we're talking here? Yeah, that would be the essentially the old school. Uh, you know, if you look at a puffy jacket, but that's what you're you're thinking about lofted insulation. Okay, uh, and you're essentially expanding. Uh, the air gap between your outer layer and everything. And, and that's essentially what insulation is, right? It's just bridging that gap. Um, and so that's what you're doing when you're you're adding that in your system. And I consider it a season extender. So yeah. I've got something very lightweight on. I need to add, let's say, you know, several degrees of temperature. I put on my puffy insulation uh, and that is extending the temperature range that the underwear under pieces now let's say like my outer layer is like the stratus for example you've got your lightweight base layer on it's a windy day it's kind of cooler mild temperatures you've had the stratus in and now it's getting into uh freezing temperatures you can add an insulation piece like the ambient in between the two and you've now extended the season of that stratus down another you know 15 or 20 degrees in temperature range so you you that's the way I typically look at that lofted insulation piece is it's extending the season of my base layer or is it extending the season of my outerwear piece. Uh, but any any piece in my line, I can basically make it go further in uh, to uh, the season into a okay. wider temperature. OK, and so the stratus, just for folks that don't know, is a, a kind of a piece in your line. That's the out, that's the outer layer. It's kind of the protector piece, correct? It is a, yeah, it is a micro fleece, like think of a really fine fleece with a windstopper layer and then a micro fleece or a micro check interior. Yep. So what you you have like a light insulation uh, added with a windstopper. And I consider our Stratus system the most versatile, the most versatile outerwear piece, because essentially what you can do is when temperatures are mild, uh, you you can uh, you can add windstopper into that. You can add a light insulation. You could add a heavier base layer like the 330 weight under it, and then you can also add an ambient or a lofted insulation piece under it, and that allows that outerwear piece to be extremely versatile. So yeah. most most unless you're getting into all day sits in the teens for me with my body type and how I can handle cold, I can take a Stratus. Uh, a lofted insulation piece and a base layer. And I can get all the way in the mornings where they're starting in the teens, uh, it, you know, and be totally fine. I don't have to go into a super um, insulative outerwear piece. I can, I can flex everywhere I need. So if I would say like people wanted to understand like what's, I hear this all the time, what is the system that I need to have um, that is really like setting a good foundation piece that could be, you know, setting, I would set yourself with a really lightweight piece for the early season hunts. And then maybe a piece that's a bit heavier, like a 330 weight Merino, for example, for your cold weather hunts, I would have an ambient jacket inside of there, which is your lofted insulation piece. And I would have your Stratus as your outerwear piece. You're going to get 95, 90% of your season taken care of with just that system alone. And then if you're really focused on getting some ultra cold weather hunts, like you're going to get in Michigan, then Fanatic or Incinerator, you know, adding that piece into your system would be the next step. I, uh, speaking of insulation, one of the least, I feel like 
it didn't get a, a piece of clothing that didn't really get the love that it deserved. I, what was it? The shacket? You know, the shacket? <laughs> yeah, I had I had the shacket and it was like, I love that. It was with the t-shirt and the, you know, the kangaroo pocket and it was kind of, it was soft and just felt good to wear. Like that was a, that was an all-time classic, which I know it's been discontinued, but it was a, it was a good insulation piece. I'll eventually get it back in the line. I'm going to treat it like our McRib every once in a while. <laughs> Just cycle it back in. I like yeah. that. If you can feel good about yourself when you eat it. So yeah. every time I wore it, I'm like, this is, this is the pinnacle of, you know, clothing technology. I don't need sleeves. I don't get cold right there. You know? Yeah. It's um, all about core warmth. So. That's right. It's all about the core. Actually, I was just uh, trying on some of the, um, the fanatic, like the, the, the heavier piece. Um, um, and it's, that, that's interesting. I like the the Berber the Berber fleece. I think is that what that is, or that's the ty- type of style. Is that wind like a type of windproof? Is that why it's like that? Or yeah. So think of the fanatic as like the ultra quiet, ultra cold weather piece. So it, you know, I described the flat the stratus, and it's it's a it's a bonded textile. So you're gonna have your micro check interior. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have your wind stopper laminate, and then it's gonna be bonded to a micro fleece face. The Fanatic, when you take a look at it, is actually the same microcheck fleece interior, but then you're going to add insulation. So it's like you've put an ambient jacket, so to speak, inside of that by using the Primaloff insulation. I would say not exactly the same. And then it's got a really heavyweight Berber yeah. on the outside, which is super good at, at it. Basically, it's a really dense cold weather. I mean, I've had snow landing on my shoulder and sitting there all day and not melting. Oh, like, hilarious. Yeah. So I hunt Canada quite, quite a bit. And, you know, you'll have those snow weather, you know, those <laughs> heavy snow days. And it, it's literally, you'll look on your shoulder and the snow is just stacked up on top, but it's not melting. Um, so that that's interesting. How good of a job it does. Yes. So, you know, for people who are, who are looking, you know, to to upgrade or to improve maybe their system, they're thinking about, you know, base layer, wind stop, or this, uh, or the synthetic, or, or down, or insulation, or, you know, outer layer. What are some, you know, let's let's start with the outer layer since we're there now. Like, what are some things, you know, if there's somebody going into the market to buy something, like, and they're looking, they're like, hey, I need a shell or some sort of outer layer. What what sorts of things should they be looking for uh, when it comes to coats or or pants? I would say uh, depends on where you're hunting and what time of year. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be hunting, like if you want this piece really to focus on your like rut hunts yeah. through your late season hunts, then maybe you should look at something really warm between the fanatic and the incinerator. And I would say between those two pieces and the Sitka line, uh, fanatic, if you're really fanatical about being quiet um, and you're going to be hunting like really dry conditions like where it's not going to be raining or sleeting or anything along those lines uh the fanatic is your your go-to piece it's super quiet as quiet as any non-windstopper piece uh in the line now if you're going to be hunting in some really kind of wet conditions where the snow is a bit melty or if it's going to be sleeting rain, I would say the incinerator. So I look at like frigid wet conditions, incinerator for most of the hunts. I actually tend to direct Southern hunters towards the incinerator because a lot of the people- Because of the shedding of the water. Yeah, because 35 degrees 
sleeting rain. That's actually most of the hunts that you face in the South versus Michigan. Yeah. You're going to be facing snow uh, a good portion of the year, and you're not going to really deal with too much of the the sleeting type rain or that sub kind of really cold conditions, but still wet conditions. Right. Interesting. So you're looking at something that, that, you know, if you're looking for an outer layer piece, you're balancing the need for stealth and kind of, you know, quiet warmth versus something that maybe will shed water a little bit. So maybe a little bit louder, but um, does better in, in, with when it rains. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I consider in, in, uh, incinerator reasonably quiet, but waterproof. Also, yeah. mobile hunters, if you're saddle, <clears throat> it, it's it's extremely packable. Uh, so, you know, I would tend to lean towards the incinerator uh, sometimes if you're a, a, a mobile hunter, um, just because it packs down so nice. Uh, so, you know, those are the things I would weigh between those two garments, um, you know, on, on what you value most. Um, it's It's... It's just think about where am I going to be hunting the vast majority of the time and what's most important to me during those periods. Yeah. And then everything else you can you can typically flex and figure out a way in between. But I would just make sure you have that good foundation. I would add an insulation piece in between. And then, you know, if you're looking for a ton of versatility um, and, you know, you're not going to be having to use the system down into like, you know, all day sits in the low teens the stratus will get you everywhere you need to get. Interesting. So just to recap, and then I've got a, kind of a special side set of questions for you, but for people who are listening, right, when you're building your your layering system to to find kind of comfort and to find like the most, um, get the most out of the clothes that you're wearing, it's, it's about setting that foundation right. It's about getting that insulation right, um, picking which insulation fits your need the best and then outer layer the same thing. It's something that you're balancing things like, Cond uh, condensation or perspiration or not perspiration water uh in whatever form it comes out of the sky um versus you know quiet and things like that um so that's that's generally helpful um but one thing that you know i deal with a lot are ha my hands um and i've tried a million different things um to try to keep my hands warm i think i've kind of got to a place that it seems to work for me but when you're thinking about keeping your hands warm uh, as a whitetail hunter, it's very different than if you're out west and you can you rip a glove off, throw it on the ground, you can take a shot or whatever. Um, what? How do you how do you approach it? How do you keep your hands warm out there? So for whitetail hunting, I have three gloves I use. Okay. Uh, one is the the merino glove that yep. is it's a full fingered glove. Uh, it's in that new three thirty weight, um, and so I'll use that one. Uh, and then I'll use our Fanatic Love, which is a uh, kind of a mid-weight synthetic material, and it's fingerless. So for 90% of my whitetail hunts, I'm just going to have that Fanatic Love with my fingers free on. And um, I'll stick that either in my in a hand muff that's really cold uh, and or like the Fanatic. The one thing people ask, like, why does the Fanatic have that weird cross zip, right? It oh. starts on your left hip. If you're right eye, there is a lefty jacket. So if you're left eye dominant, I saw that the other side. <laughs> yeah. And you so you draw that up, but the muff is built into the jacket. So you don't have to actually carry a second muff with you. And so what I'll do is when it gets really, really cold, I'll take the merino glove, I'll put the fanatic glove on top of that uh as well. And then I've got, you know, if it, I'm talking like 10 degrees, right? 
yeah. sub zero where you you basically take one hand out and put it on the bow while the deer's walking in wait for them to walk in because it's all you if you take your hand out of the heat or out of the muff within 30 seconds your fingers are screaming yeah <laughs> that's what i'm talking about and so that's where that merino liner comes in and can add a little bit more and then the last glove i have in the line is our incinerator flip mitt which i'll wear that when i'm going for my commute so i'm sure. going to get to my stand location if I want to flip the mitts back, use my fingers, I can have those liner gloves on between it. I'll throw like a heated chemical pack yeah. into the, the back of the mitt. It doesn't fall out. So I can roll that back over. I can do whatever I need to do. I can climb. I can touch metal parts. I can set stands, flip things back and forth, go back on back and forth of the heat. And then when I get done, the incinerator flip mitt goes off and into my bag unless it's super cold. Like I said, I might just wear the left one uh, for my bow grip. Yeah. Um, and then I'll hold that so I can just sit there and literally, we've all had it happen. You're waiting for a buck to come in and he hangs up, but yeah. he's still like 40 yards out, but behind a tree and you don't, yeah. So you just kind of sit there and, and you have to like leave your hand on the bow during that. Right. Because you're waiting for him to clear some brush, something like that. Yeah, it's that's that's you you pick picked up on a bunch of different things. Um, one side kind of thing that I've I really learned uh, over the years is so I was a big fan of the fingerless gloves. Yeah, get fingerless wool gloves. That was great. The only problem is when it's really cold out and you're climbing, you're standing, you're get taking stuff down at the end of the day or whatever, and your your hands are already cold and you're trying to work like metal. Man, it's nice to have something over your fingers so it's not skin against it's not skid against metal. Cause that gets your, that is unpleasant, you know, sometimes. Um, but what I've done is, is similar things. I, I usually, like I said, I'll, I'll either ha I'll have wool gloves and usually I end up always cutting the fingers off. Um, and I'll throw them in like a kind of like puffy gloves, like a, like a down glove. And then I'd throw them in my muff when it was really cold, at least so I could get like as much insulation in there. But I felt like First, you have to try to get your hands out of your muff and get your, your mittens off at the same time. And there's, you know, deers coming in that can be dicey. And then you're kind of worried about them falling out or, you know, just a lot of moving parts that way. So I've been looking to kind of simplify how I do it and kind of looking at, you know, getting either a, an external muff or something with a like a muff built in, like a more hardy one. Yeah, I think that comes in. And the reason I like the flip mitt is, like you said, we've all done this. You've got regular mittens on, but then you need to use your fingers for a bit. So you take your teeth, bite the mitten off, do what you need to do, and then grab it, put it back on. So it's nice to be able to roll your fingers back and then also keep that chemical hand warmer in there. And then I'll just flip it back over when I need, if I can't get back in there. So it's, it's, and then I'll just move that into, you know, my muff, for example. Yeah. So I can, I can have some heat, but I, you know, from last year, for example, you know, I was hunting Alberta and it was negative 26 degrees Fahrenheit and all day sits. And, you know, and that was like the beginning of November. And, you know, there's time periods when you're getting up there, you're, you're trying to deal with all that stuff. And you have to reasonably get in and out without your fingers turning the clubs. Right. Because once you start to, it, this really happened in the evenings, like 
you start to break down and it's going to happen regardless of what you do. <laughs> However, it's like, how can I make it through and safely get down? Yeah, that's right. Not get frostbite. And so you're like, I just, I just take my time because I'll go to break things down, take a break, reheat, yeah. go down. And those, those are conditions most people will never hunt right. in their entire life. Like they, those are really unique situations. I try to put myself in because it's the worst that you can possibly. Yeah, you're testing the gear. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, but that's how you, but it, 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 you start to learn because the first time I ever went up to Canada, like imagine Southern guy going and then getting a dose of reality. And I'm wearing like, I've got my 1600 gram rubber boots. I think I'm going to be fine. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it is not happening. Your feet, you know, are turning into like, just where you just want to lean your head against the tree right and just to be like i can't <laughs> I give, I give up there. yeah yeah slowly just descend into sweet sweet death yeah <laughs> you get warm and then numb and then it's all over yeah so I, I know i know how that goes and you know it's just to have it set right is so big and like like you were saying to have um things like the ability to not have to have club hands because again when it's cold and it's the end of the day you're you, you're you're kind of cold you're tired from sitting there it's dark um, one thing I did like that you mentioned is like slowing down and it's like taking a break and kind of that can help a lot. That can help on your way in a lot, slowing your pace down when you get into the woods, aside from blowing deer out, obviously just keeping your body heat warm. But even on the way in, you can, if you go slow and just take your time and not freak out about trying to get out, you can keep yourself warm. You can do it safely. Um, and it's just something that, again, I didn't always do, uh, but I've learned the value of doing something like that as I've gotten older. Yeah, it, it comes into play. And, uh, you know, if you trying to get out in a hurry, sometimes it can be a bigger mess and, right. uh, than, than, uh, than just taking a little extra time. I mean, you, it, you've got nowhere really to be uh, as long as you don't have to make it home for dinner or something for like dinner that. Or something like that. They'll wait. Yeah. Um, so when you're, you know, I'm sure you get, you feel tons of questions from, from folks all over the place. I mean, what are some of the like most common things people are asking you, uh, when it comes to like how they should dress or, or prepare for whitetail, um, season? I think a lot of it is like, what's the one jacket that will do it all. <laughs> yeah. And that's that there's really, it's really, what's the system that will do it all. And that system that I laid about, I would just, I would say for most hunters, if they get either a lightweight synthetic, um, I like, so my personal system, I'll, I'll take you through my personal. That's great. Yes. Yep. What you think um, is I'll typically wear Equinox guard or Equinox guard line for early season. That's something that's really important to me because I've had a daughter with Lyme disease. I know so many hunters that have, you know, uh, either got some sort of tick-borne illness or might have got alpha gal. And now I hear more about this stuff. And alpha gal, for those that don't I know. I dated an alpha gal once. It didn't didn't work out. <laughs> yes. Well, I think this one might be worse than an alpha gal. <laughs> is alpha gal is a syndrome where you can't eat red meat anymore. So you can't eat the things that you're hunting. And that's pretty devastating. So that system's all really focused around making a super versatile or a super uh, simple system that protects you from ticks, mainly from getting them to contact your skin and making sure they drop away through your body, through the life of the garment. You don't have to worry about retreating it with permethrin. It's basically built in. 
put your pants on one leg at a time, put your gaiters over your socks or in, inside your socks, pattern knock the um, uh, through insect shield, which will last the life of the garment. You don't bring them home. You don't bring them into your laundry hamper. And then the top's really about mosquito protection. So I'll start my early season with Equinox Guard. Then as I progress into the later season, you know, that can serve as your synthetic base layer, your lightweight base layer for a period of time. Uh, th then I'll maybe go to, to the Merino. So like I said, that 330 weight uh, Merino, uh, I'll have, uh, you know, some sort of like heavier weight bottom, like our heavyweight bottom, or maybe the, uh, you know, like a heavier dense, dense piece uh, that goes on my legs um, for insulation layers, you know, Equinox pant which is just basically a white tail pant with large pockets on it. And then I'll have a stratus for my outer layer. So me, I'm a big bib guy. I like bibs. Me too. Bib. I love bibs. Yeah. Yes. So stratus bib, stratus jacket, and then my lofted insulation. That's going to cover 90% of my season. Mm -hmm. And then depending on where you live, I would say fanatic, if you're going to do some really cold weather hunts or incinerator, mm. wet, or quiet, you know, and dry. So those are, you know, fanatic is more the the dry and the, the dry and quiet, super cold incinerator more. Literally all of those for your your apparel will be fine. And then you just got to think like your handwear, your headwear pieces that you want, um, you know, beanies. That's going to get you through your entire season. Um, and it just depends. The reason I people should be thinking about this, it's not going to be cheap to get into an entire system. So you right. want to create the one that's right for the way you hunt. But that's going to serve the vast majority of your, your listeners. I, I've always had a question about pants. Um, so, you know, on the top, you've got, you know, you'll do base layer, you'll do grid fleece or some sort of fleece or, you know, active insulation um, you'll do your kind of your insulation layer in your outer, you know, if you're really doing all of them. Why are other, are, I mean, like, I don't, do you do a lot of, um, you know, fleece pant? Like, why are fleece not more popular in, on pants, you know, to go under a shell? Well, a lot of times, actually, people don't wear their, it's, I think it has to do a lot with like having too many waistbands. So you got your underpants, and then, okay, I'm going to have a lightweight synthetic on. Okay, now I need a heavier weight, like, midweight fleece or whatever. Now all of a sudden you've got three waistbands. Now I got to put my pants on. Right. You've got four waistbands on. <laughs> so I try and avoid that. Yeah. So typically I'll I'll wear during my white tail hunts, we have the 220 weight merino boxer. Mm -hmm. Um I actually really like the 330 weight zip off bottom for a lot of applications. So what's great about I found that I didn't think I would like it as much as I did, but the it it basically stops at your boot tops. Yep. And you don't, if you want to shed the layer, essentially, especially on like mobile big game applications, you essentially can pull down your pants, zip off the bottom, and then pull your pants back and you don't have to take your footwear off. That's so if cool. you've ever had to like stand on top of your jacket or oh, yeah. pack, or I'm trying to stand on top of my boots, it, it basically, it, you remove the need to uh, to take off your footwear. So that, that for a lot of mobile hunters is a great piece. So I'll, you know, I'll have that as like my base layer. And then I like a pant with a nice cargo for whitetail hunting, a, mm -hmm. a, a side pocket, because I'm dumping ropes. I'm dumping gloves. You know, when you're climbing a tree, 
you're going up, whether it be a fixed like rope with a safety line or anything along those lines, you might be going up and like, okay, I'm going to get this up. My lineman's coming off or I need a, like a harness strap. I just, I'm always dumping stuff in those cargo pockets. So I like a pretty decent volume cargo pocket for my regular pants. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That was, that was one thing I'd always wondered about. Um, okay. So those are the questions you get. And then we'll, we'll end on kind of this note when you, when you look out into kind of the, the, um, the hunting world and you see people out in their tree stands and everything, what's the one thing you see them do wrong the most? What's like, what are they getting wrong most out there? Well, uh, generally in hunts, I've seen people getting down too early or leaving. Or <laughs> sure. sure. That, that's what you run into. Like yeah. I, I, all these PA guys are going to, uh, you're going to love this. Like you, you hunt up there and then you see somebody walk in and they go and sit down for a little bit and they're there for like 30 minutes. Yeah. And like get up. Oh yeah. And then they stop by your stand. They see you and like, Hey, I'm Been talking to full volume yeah. now. And you're like, yeah. Thanks man. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's what I, I, you know, I run into a lot. Um, but from a gear standpoint, I think a lot of times people just thinking they can throw a pair of jeans and a t-shirt on under it. And then they'll come, man, I bought that, that Stratus or I bought that Fanatic jacket and I was miserably cold. Right. And then you start like asking, okay, what were you wearing? Oh, I just had a pair of jeans on. I threw it on over the top and a t-shirt. You know, I don't, you, you just screwed up. You're, I can't help you. You, you have to take a little responsibility yourself on understanding how this stuff works. Yeah. And so I think it's really important that people understand that because you, you you're just basically defeating everything else. And you've, you've essentially wasted your money. You might as well go back to cotton coveralls. Right. Because no matter what's on the outside, oftentimes what's touching your skin is probably as important, if not more important for the most part. Yeah. You built your foundation on sand. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good to know. Well, um, so you, you guys have this um, kind of new Merino line coming out. Um, and so for people who are listening, who want to find out more about that or, you know, see more of what you guys are working on or even learn about how to layer. You have, you know, a bunch of that stuff set up even on your website. Uh, where can they go? How can they, they check you out? Uh, well, I think uh, sickagear.com has, there's a great system builder that has, I wouldn't say it's like super detailed, but if you're like, I don't know where to start, it's going to allow you to go in and click in on the system builder and be able to get a system that's probably going to serve you right um, so I would say go to sickadr.com, work that. Um, also, our customer service is team. They all hunt. I've worked at companies where people don't participate. I can <laughs> tell you every single person that actually works in our customer service department is they do hunt uh, and they they will they will go the extra mile to help you work through and figure out the right system. Um, so, you know, calling and talking to them or contacting them and asking them questions is great. And then go into your local retail store. If you, a lot of these independent retailers um, have people that specialize in, in, uh, um, and, and know the gear, they wear it and they can help you figure out what's right for you. I usually find if I go into those shops, you know, those, those people are genuinely interested in helping get you uh, the best uh, system that they can. Yeah. No, that's great. Chris, thank you for, for doing this. Everybody, your layering is important. It's going to dictate a lot for the most part, 
how comfortable you are. And oftentimes it'll dictate how long you're even sitting out there. So take some time this off season, uh, get it right. Go check um, some of Sid Gear's uh, stuff out. And, uh, you know, Chris, like I said, thanks for, for coming on. We really appreciate your time tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really helps us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.